2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: Hi, this is Ibi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight... Vashti Harrison and Stephanie V. W. Lucianovic are the co-authors, illustrators of Hello Star. Stephanie is the author of The End of Something Wonderful, A Practical Guide to a Backyard Funeral, and the middle grade novel The League of Picky Eaters. She has been a contributor to the New York Times Motherload blog, the Washington Post, Entertainment Weekly, CNN's Eatocracy, The Atlantic Wire, and more. Stephanie lives in the Bay Area. Vashti Harrison is a number one New York Times best-selling creator of Little Leaders, Bold Women in Black History, Little Dreamers, Visionary Women Around the World, and Little Legends, Exceptional Men in Black History. She's also the illustrator of Lupita Nyong'o's Solway and Matthew Cherry's Hair Love, among others. She earned her BA in Studio Art and Media Studies from the University of Virginia and her MFA in Film Video from CalArts, where she snuck into animation and illustration classes to learn from Dizzy and DreamWorks legends. Welcome, Stephanie and Vashti. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your collaboration, Hello Star, a beautiful,
2: beautiful children's book. Thanks so much for having us. This is Vashti. How's it going?
3: I'm I'm Stephanie Lucianovic, and this is my first interview for this book for our Hello Star
0: Yay. <laughs> I feel like publicists put me first because I'm like so un- not traditional an interviewer because <laughs> I really just do this for fun and I love it and I'm like pretty laid back about everything. So <laughs> I don't know. Nice, nice and gentle. <laughs> Well, tell listeners a little bit about your children's book. And Stephanie, I was wondering as I read it, like, have you been interested in this field of sort of research and science and astronomy and all of that for a long time? Or is it just that's so what piqued your interest? So explain what the book is sort of about and then how you you two teamed up and how you came to this topic yourself.
3: Well, so the book is about a girl who has sort of empathy for a dying star that she sees way out in space, it's going supernova. And her mother explained that that means it's dying. And she's worried about it. She thinks the star is going to be lonely as a child. And her interest in the star puts her on a path of discovery and dedication with the dimming light acting as her guide the entire way, her entire journey. And I won't spoil the ending. This is not something that I would have come to naturally. Naturally. My husband is the space person. My husband's a, he's a math professor and he used to want to be an astronaut and he was a physicist at some point. And, but our our oldest boy, Henry, came to me with all of his interest that he was developing in space at the time. He was very space obsessed. He could name all the planets. He could name all the planets, moons and what they were made of and everything. And one night he came to me and he said, did you know that stars die isn't that sad? And I had, I knew that stars died. I knew what supernovas were, but I had never thought of it as being a sad thing because I'm an adult and I don't tend to think those in those terms. But after he said that, I started thinking like, what would a child do with that kind of emotion, that sadness? Would they take care of it like a pet? Like how would they, you know, act on it? And that night, literally that night I sat down and I wrote, The first draft. And it was one of those nights where I was at the kitchen table, dinner had just ended and I had my laptop out and my husband was like, okay, mommy's writing. And he like, you know, took Arthur or took Henry away. And, you know, they left me alone for a while, which was nice. So that was 2015 is when I wrote that. And I had it rejected at least 10 times By various editors I submitted to and including my agent who later became my agent. She rejected at the time, but she wasn't my agent then. And then I had a new agent in 2016 who loved Hello Star, like right away, just loved it. And by 2017, she submitted it. And around this time in 2017, I became aware of Vashti's art. I was seeing it on Twitter. I had started following her. I was I was totally just really taken in by how she created and portrayed reflecting light in her art. And I think anytime I ever said anything on Twitter to her, it was like the light, it's the way she captured. There was I remember there was these princess dresses that had the light filtering through tool. You could see the tool over the actual dress. And I was just like, oh, my God. So and then. I was following Matthew Cherry and I backed my first and only Kickstarter for hair love in 2017. I got an offer for hello star in 2018 from little Brown. And my editor came to me with, let's talk about illustrators. And she had ideas and I had ideas. and I'm like, but I don't know if this would ever happen because she's probably in demand. And I said, do you think Vashti Harrison would be interested? And she's like, Well, she's a little brown author. That's an interesting idea. You know, we'll see. And then it was a couple of months later that she called me and she's like, You need to sit down. Bash is gonna be the illustrator. And I screamed and all that kind of stuff. So
0: that's how that happened. Amazing. I'm actually really surprised that it was rejected because the writing of this children's book, I mean. It's so beautiful. It's like a literary children's book. The way you write about, you know, the velvety sky and the pillows of clouds and the words that you choose, like this doesn't, this is not like, it's a, It's unique in its voice, in, in its beauty of the language. And I think like that sort of like ethereal way of like writing and the sky and then the illustrations to boot, it's like, I don't know, I'm surprised. I would have if I had read this as a manuscript, I would have been like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's thank you. That's that's
3: really kind. It definitely was a, a book that when I wrote it, I knew I was using lyrical voice, but I also worried I was breaking a lot of rules because one of the rules is like, you're not supposed to have adult characters and she grows up. And another rule was that it was over 900 words when I submitted it. And they try to preach to picture book writers that you your text needs to be like 500 words. Both of my books that have come out have been over 900 when they were given offers on. So, you know, I do break rules, but it it always had my heart in a way that I was not going to give up on it. I've given up on other rejected manuscripts, but that one, I did stop submitting it to people. I did stop showing it to people after a while. But when I had a new age and I was like, well, I wonder what you would think of this. And she like instantly was like, I love it. Let's do some like, you know, fine tuning and stuff like that. So that was... Amazing. and then the editor Deirdre said she couldn't stop crying over it. and so, you know, she loved it. and it it was it was, it was obviously validating after the rejections.
0: oh, yeah, it's a goosebump giver. I feel like that should be an indicator instead of like those tomatoes, you know what I mean? I feel like it should be the amount of goosebumps <laughs> that a book produces. And Vashi, tell me about getting involved in this project.
2: Why did you pick it? Yeah, well, I'm surprised by that backstory as well because I was not <laughs> aware that that you had written it so so long ago. I mean, gosh, time flies. So your son was really little then when you came up with the idea. Yeah, and I the the idea that it was rejected so many times. I mean, that's a great backstory because it's a beautiful book, and I, and I was really excited to to receive the manuscript when I when my agent brought it to me from Deirdre. You know, it's it's interesting. You're right. I have been super busy working on so many kind of like high profile books. And, and what's really great about that is, you know, working with big name people and having those books out in the world and and getting like a lot of attention behind it, but also like they were just on such incredible deadlines and like very like narrow, strict, opportunities for creativity, you know, like, you know, when you're trying to create a property or build a brand, you want to stay within that brand and, and something like hair love, I, I, needed to make sure the characters were very, I don't know, clear and and specific enough to to go along with the film that was also being produced. And then the other book that I was working on right before that was Sulwe. And that one obviously had like a, a celebrity attached to it. So it was, there was a lot of like narrow boundaries that I had. And so one of the first things that I asked when I received the manuscript was, can I do whatever I want? And they (laughs) said, yes. And I said, that's a great selling point i mean if anyone is familiar with my artwork you know that i i love drawing stars and and people looking up at the stars and journeying into the stars so that was an easy sell for me but it was the opportunity to take my time and slow down and really get to experiment with the art and the art style that that sold me on on taking on this project because you know I, in in the past i had ideas for the middle grade book that I would write about, about the stars, about, about really feeling empathy for the earth and and taking care of our planet. And I'm really grateful that lots and lots of people are writing those books because I, I don't know if I would have had the time to do it. And I'm appreciative of the opportunity to get to collaborate with people who have, you know, perspective and the words that I don't necessarily have. So I was thinking about how I could focus, you know, some of that creative energy towards this book while, you know, saving some for for the future while making sure not to overlap with projects that I've already done. And because I love drawing girls in space and girls looking up into the sky, that well is never going to be empty (laughs) in terms of creativity for me. So again, yeah, that selling point, the exciting opportunity for me was to just, slow down. So there was a few months, probably around last year where I just did sample upon sample. I chose a a couple of different spreads to try to figure out what kind of art style I would use because every book that I've done up into this point has been fully digital. So done completely on the computer in Photoshop. And that is, I don't know if I should say like my typical, yeah, it's my typical way of working. It's not necessarily my preferred way of working, but it is the fastest way I've worked. And I've had, I don't know, like 12, no, nine, 10, 10 books in the last four years. So I've had to go really, really fast. And so everything has been digital. And it's just such an interesting feeling to be kind of like a tethered to your computer, to this like cumbersome drawing tablet. You have to stay here. You have to wait till the sun goes away and put the the sun blocking curtains up and just sit in the dark. And for this book, I could open up my windows and work wherever I want and do my sketches. And in some of like the videos that I, I shared, you guys might be able to see Maybe in other in other places, maybe we can send. You can put it in, on your in your blog. Maybe I just have lots and lots of pictures of all the different samples I did. I did one in like colored pencils and pastels and wet oil pastels and chalk pastels and gouache and digital and colored pencil with digital on top of it. So it was really fun to be able to really think about how the medium can help extend and and expand on the story and, you know, provide a different type of texture and feeling for how to, you know, enter into this story. So, you know, I think it's it's really difficult. No, difficult's not the word. It takes a lot of time and care to try to manipulate digital illustration to feel different ways. It can often feel the same unless you're paying special attention towards the, the textures that you're putting on there. And, and it it is work to do that. And so it's just a, a really amazing opportunity to kind of see how the different media can make the story feel different. When you flip through these images, I think I did probably like six or seven of the same drawing of an early spread of, of the moment where the mother tells the child about the star. And so they're reading a book. And so, you know, you can see how that story, the tone shifts and and feels different through the different media. Eventually, after all of these different tests, I landed on using colored pencil with digital color on top. So I did everything. I actually did all of the sketches digitally. I printed them out and then I on just like really simple printer paper I put chalk pastel on the back and then made a transfer onto my like smooth Bristol paper and then did colored pencils to do all the value. I actually ended up doing them all in red. So if you ever see images of those originals, they're all red because I wanted something that was like a medium value that wasn't, if I, if I used black, I would go too black. If I use something too light, it wouldn't get dark enough. So I used a medium, I could have used a medium gray, but I had red. So I did red. And so I, once that's all done, I scanned that and put it into the computer and manipulated the color and added all the other colors on top of it. So you're looking at the cover of the book behind Stephanie, that original sketch and that original sketch was just red.
3: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
0: here. I'm going to share my screen so we can look at the cover real quick here. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Wait, say it again.
2: This looks like LA by the way. Is that what this is based on? Just You know, I was going for a mix of like LA, Houston, you know, there are not too many Hills in Houston, but I was trying to give that sprawl of a city. Oh my. So both my kids think it's LA because
3: well, we live in the Bay area, it's not mm. like LA, but for them, it's very cinematic LA. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I always correct. I'm like, no. She lives next to the ocean. We have that picture of her in the house. There's an ocean there, right? Isn't that? So I was convinced that that was actually the sparkling sea. Oh. And maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong that she lives next
0: to the ocean. Maybe that's actually right. the city. I don't remember the ocean. It's the oh, city there, the there, there. Yeah. yeah.
2: So for me, that's the city. But <laughs> but I wanted it, you know, in my head, sometimes I build up a whole backstory. So I was like, well, you know, there are some some hints of like you know, space culture, like maybe mom is like working at the base. Maybe they live in Houston. Maybe they live near the Johnson space center. Like, uh, you know, in my, in my fabricated world, it's some, some cross between like a sprawling Los Angeles with Hills and, and like near a space center and the ocean.
3: So Deirdre came to me, our editor came to me at some point and was like, so Vashti has some questions and it was all about where do you see this Character living. What's her background? Where do her parents work? Where does her mother work? And see, when you're a picture book writer, you're told you don't have any of that in your head. I mean, you're not supposed to, because that's all what the illustrator brings to it. Like, you're not supposed. I mean, you can have a backstory, but the true backstory of this, to be completely honest, besides my son's interest, who was in first grade at the time and he's now going into seventh, my husband is because he's the space fanatic, was like, you know, I asked him, has there ever been a supernova that we could see? And he's like, yes, it's called Supernova 1987 or SN 1987. And he said it was seen in 1987 and people wrote about it in the paper. You can only see it in the Southern Hemisphere. You couldn't see it where he lived in the D.C. area. And so that's how I took like the core of truth and then obviously made it completely fictional because, well, I mean, supernova 1987, you can still actually, they're still seeing remnants. They still see life stars continuing to happen post the supernova, but only with telescopes. So for me, I was like, oh, okay, well, the true backstory is this, but you know, I kind of felt like she could be... Anywhere and had a parent who had an interest in looking up questions for her. Like mm-hmm. a parent who's like, well, you know, I don't know that answer. Let's look that up. Now we do it on the internet. But you know, <laughs> back in the day it was newspapers or books or something like that.
0: Encyclopedia, just to date myself here a little bit. But yes, yeah. <laughs>
3: yes, us too.
0: In my my parents, like, you know, office place, pulling out the like mm-hmm. magic. Yeah. Well, this is just gorgeous. Yeah, I, I love that you can't tell if it's a city or, or the water here. It's so cool. I'm actually in LA as I'm doing this interview. And gotcha. I have a view sort of similar to this of the city, sort of because we're up on this hill. So I'm going to vote for city, but you know.
2: <laughs> I mean, one thing that I do in all of my work and my books is kind of, you know, build the house that I, I won't live in, <laughs> build the space that doesn't exist, the view, the house with the view that I won't have. So it's a a little bit of a, oh, it would be so cool to be the little kid being able to climb a tree and seeing this incredible view in front of you. So it's that aspirational quality um, to just, you know, make up the world that doesn't quite exist. Next next time
0: you are in LA, you are coming over here. If I happen to be (laughs) in town and you go, we can have a little like, you know, city viewing party or something. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, what an amazing collaboration. I mean, how exciting. And how does this, Stephanie, like dovetail with your previous work?
3: So, I've only had one picture book come out. And it was, I mean, it was very different in the sense that at some point I got the sketches, I got the character sketches from my editor. And pretty much immediately, the illustrator, George, sent me a direct message. And he was like, Have you seen them yet? I can change Mm -hmm. anything you want. And I was like, oh, we're not supposed to talk. Like there's this whole like (laughs) unwritten rule of keeping, I mean, this, I know it doesn't happen all the time. I know plenty of illustrators and and authors do talk, but for me, there were the rules and the rules where you don't, you're not supposed to really communicate in case you influence or say something wrong. So I remember just responding to him saying like, I haven't seen them yet. I had, and I loved them, but I wanted to be very careful. I was like, but thank you. I mean, I did love them. I, I I think there was a few things that got changed, but it was something the editor had already noted to be changed. It had to do with having adults in the story at all, because it's about having backyard funerals with pets. And a couple of the spreads had like kind of adults solving the problem and and that wasn't going to work. And so George came up then with that end spread being something completely shocking to me but amazing in an amazing way. And I started laughing and crying at the same time because the way he ended the book was just perfect. And he just, that was great. So, so for this collaboration, it was definitely me on Twitter being like, ooh, there's something, Vashi put something up about stars and space. And I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if it's, you know, gonna be part of the book. And so there was kind of a me looking in the window and sometimes there'd be, Vashy would do process stuff more recently you showed Vashti a painted glass table, mm-hmm. which like I've never heard of that technique before. I'm so completely fascinated by what illustrators do. It seems like an amazing mystery and there's all these different medium and thing that you things that you guys use and the glass table with the cat underneath it was <laughs> like, wow. So that's another way that you can, you know, try to evoke something or try to- try I don't to know if that's something. a technique other people
2: use. <laughs> Well, that was definitely the experiment. So really early on, I thought that maybe I could make some of the backgrounds of outer space of deep space with photographs, because I have this highly pigmented and sparkly watercolor and it looks best when it's wet. So I didn't want to just like put it right on the paper and it would stay flat. So I thought, okay, well, you know, I can work on glass or I could, you know, I tried plexi and I painted the back with like really matte black paint. And I was like, well, I could just work on glass and put black fabric or velvet in the background. I was thinking about, so I went to film school and I remember early, long before film school, actually in undergrad, me and my, like my film cohorts, like little nerdy kids, like, did you see that new movie? So there was... uh, I can't even remember the name of the film, but there is a cinematographer, Matthew Libatique, who made the stars for this movie. I think it's called The Fountain, maybe. Um, He made all of the stars and the supernovas for this movie. um, under a mic, um, macro lens in a Petri dish with chemical reactions. So I was like, I could do something like that for the stars. I could film it with my camera. I want to be able to capture it while it's still moving. So maybe I'll do photographs or I could do high res video and pull high res frames from it. Maybe I'll rent like a, an Alexa camera or a red camera. One that does, you know, really super high res stuff. And I was just trying a test out at my parents' house in Virginia. And I used to uh, like a clear glass table and my cats kept coming underneath. (laughs) So I was getting these shots that looked like cool, deep space. And then my cats in the background. (laughs)
3: You said, I mean, you did. I think I've heard you say in interviews before that you try to put cats in your book because you're yourself a cat person. And I know there's not a cat in this, but I'm a cat person too, but I kind of think of that. That's how your cats got in this Uh, book.
2: That, that would be so nice. I actually, (laughs) I don't have a cat thing, but I might start adding that. I'm not like the best person at drawing animals, but I've been trying to force myself to do that more recently. But the thing that I do often incorporate is like a hot dad, (laughs) (laughs) a hot dad somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> and I did do a sketch of a potential dad for for this book but you know I really liked the relationship of just mom and child and you know if dad's somewhere around he might be if mom's somewhere around they might be I it certainly didn't need it to to move the story forward but you know in one day I'll release this the sketch of hot dad.
0: Oh I'd love to see that. I'm sure <laughs> Stephanie's husband will love that, you know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I very specifically wanted this to not be, when I started out, it was about a boy because it was about my son mm-hmm. and getting the information from my husband. But I was like, there's too many, you know, male specific Facebooks. And at the mm-hmm. time, I mean, we've gotten much better, but this was 2015. So I very specifically wanted to change that up to have it be the mom who was knowledgeable. And it was a girl who was interested and, you know, all that.
0: There is a beautiful memoir that came out last year. Maybe you're Yeah. Last year, her name is Sarah. I'm blanking on her last name at this exact second. She's an astrophysicist and it's Sarah Mack. Sarah Mack. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. It was a memoir. Is it a memoir where she talks about the end of the world essentially, or maybe not? Maybe I'm thinking of something else. It's about losing her husband and her relationship with her young son. I don't know. She might be someone interesting for you guys to do an event with or talk to or something because she's like so knowledgeable in this area and has been like one of the leaders in the whole field. And, you know, her book was super beautiful as well. And I don't know. I think you guys would have a lot to talk about. Anyway. Well, she'll definitely point out the scientific
3: (laughs) inaccuracy at (laughs) at the end of the book, the things that are not actually possible to happen. (laughs) A metaphor but yeah, that would be
0: cool. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited for your book to come out. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Hello Star, September 21st pub date. So exciting. And I'm so happy for the two of you that you got to work together and that Vashti, you got to work your brilliant design brain and run through the 8 million alternatives to arrive at the perfect medium to capture this beautiful story. And it's just so neat to hear your train of thought as you went through that. And, you know, for someone who has absolutely no artistic <laughs> ability, just to hear how you're, how you process that information and try and experiment. It's just the coolest. So amazing. Thank you to your son, Stephanie, for asking that question and, yeah. and giving me a great half an hour here. <laughs> well, thanks for having us, Sibby. My pleasure. All right. Well, best of luck with the launch. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.